All right, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Retick Lounge. We have a really good episode for you guys today. Another interview for the month of February. Damn it, is it still going to be February by the time I post this? No. Well, we're recording another interview in February, but this is going to be posted the first one of March. But anyways, we're doing an awesome interview with Chris McVicker of New Shed Serpents, um, and we're going to be talking about kind of how the industry is evolving with keeping and breeding their animals and kind of that evolution. Talk about a little bit how it was done in the past and how we're moving forward. I think it's a super important thing to talk about. Um, Nathan, what do you got? Not much. So uh, I I think it's going to be just kind of cool to get a little perspective on, you know, where we've, where we've come from and, you know, uh, just some of the progress that we've been able to make within the community. Yeah. Um, before we bring him on, of course, we're always going to spam our announcements. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, thanks so much for that support. Go ahead and hit that like button and comment down below as you're watching for any information and feedback on this episode. Um, again, we're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we do have that awesome Patreon for you guys to check out. Um, I think we'd be really dumb, especially having Chris McVicker on, who is such an advocate in support of US Arc. So, Nathan, tell them about US Arc and where you can find him. You know, uh, I want you to become a US Arc member today if you're a, a retic keeper or a reptile keeper. But I was really hoping to divert to Chris to kind of take that one away today. So, when we pull cool. him in, I'm going to have him lead us off with a little US Arc. Awesome. So before we go ahead and bring them in, just again, a quick word from our sponsors. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows, on Morph Market, and all over socials. Sometimes it may feel impossible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Design helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brand for US Arcs, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. So, wondering if Stewart Design is right for you? Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. Maybe you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. And maybe you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. You want to make your own way doing what you love. You might just have a big idea and know your business is special but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake, have a conversation with him to learn more or get started. Visit sdidentity.com or call them at 855 SD logos, clear brand own markets. Steward design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated Python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house 
are animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. All right, guys. So we have Chris McVicker with us here tonight. Chris. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, sure. I feel like I feel like as much as we've talked over the last kind of year, I would have had you on a lot earlier, but happy that you took the time out. Um, it's not an early recording that we're doing this, so thanks so much for being here. And it's not your first podcast of the evening either. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been a busy couple of days for sure. Uh, all right, so, man. Yeah, you want to lead us off with uh, why why we should be supporting US Arc a little bit harder? Yeah, so I've been a U.S. ARC supporter for many years before the first ban. Um, you know, here in the last couple of years, we've been brought up to, you know, the, the membership means a lot and we got to get our numbers up. So I just kind of want to talk about a few things that I do to, to help with that is whenever someone contacts me to make a sale before we finish, finalize the sale or whatever, I'll ask them if they're a current member. If they're not a current member, I take... $40 off what they owe to get the membership. They screenshot it, send it to me. They're good. If you're a current member, I take $40 off the total anyway. Um, US ARC are the only ones really fighting for us right now. And if you keep any kind of exotic, not even just, just reptiles, you know, fish, birds, anything. Sugar I really hope you, yeah, I, I hope you become a member. They do a lot for the community and we, we really got to push the, you know, to get the word out. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so um, I know a lot of our listeners um, because I keep up with our listeners and they know who you are, but just for anybody that's tuning in, go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and, you know, the good old spiel that you've given a hundred times by now. <laughs> All right. So I'm Chris McVicker. Uh, New Shed Serpents is my business name. I don't really use it a whole lot, but uh, like my morph market and stuff has it on it. Um, I've been keeping retics for about 16 years now. Um, I got into reptiles when I was a little kid, always had, you know, frogs and skinks, lizards, crap like that. But uh, my parents would never let me get a snake. And once I moved and joined the military, I got stationed here in Oklahoma and my wife bought me a ball python for my first snake. Coming in so, clutch. Do what? That I said coming in clutch. <laughs> I'm the one yeah, who's all Python started me out, man. Like I'm the I'm the one who's coming into the house with with a box, like hiding it and concealing it as I sneak into oh, my garage. Yeah. Um, I, I I was afraid of my dad, like, not I mean not like in a bad way, but like I didn't want to piss him off. Or my mom was definitely afraid of that kind of stuff. So right, I kept it I kept it kosher and kept the lizards and turtles and frogs <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And they they supported me great. I mean, there used to be a pet shop around the house from. Uh, 
where we lived in Vegas, and I was always in there just watching them feed snakes. And once a week, they'd feed a big Burmese python, and I just thought that was the coolest shit ever. Yeah, my dad grew up in Vegas a little bit, and when he yeah. was uh, young, he worked at a veterinary clinic, and he got to oh, that's deal awesome. with this uh, mountain lion, I believe, that uh, got boarded there. And he would take this thing on walks. So like, and, and after that, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't let me have snakes in the house. It wasn't until after I was out of his house that I could have anything. Oh, wow. Anything like that. Take, take a walk with a mountain lion, but you can't have a snake. He's over, he's over here. Come come pet this mountain lion, son. Wow. That's crazy. It it was a show cat, Chris. It, It wasn't a regular mountain lion. Well, still, it's a mountain lion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not walking a mountain lion. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> I could uh, be totally wrong on what kind of cat, because, I mean, yeah, but still, either way, some it kind of exotic cat. probably a just... lion. No, 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 no. Oh, man. Um, Chris, how long have you been breeding? Like, I don't even think, I, I feel like I should know that answer. I just know that you've been doing it for a while. Like, like just you... breeding snakes in general, or just refix? Uh, I mean, all yeah. I mean, you go I ahead think, and get both. That way, I want to. Learn I think I had my first litter of boas in '05. Oh man, yeah. So it's it's been a while. Are boas hard? I heard boas are hard. So yeah, yeah. Retics are stupid easy, at least for me to breed. Boas, I, I still keep boas, and this year I think I bred a eight. And I'm one of them to grab it. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's all how like you set up. We had a couple cold winters like a year or two ago, and I insulated my garage with two inch foam. And I just think it's getting too hot in here. Cause used to I could have like 50-50. You know, 50% of my bows would go every year and 50% wouldn't. And last year I didn't have any. This year I got one. So I'm pretty sure that's the the case. It's just not getting cold enough. Cause I don't gotcha. I don't change my, my temperatures on the cages themselves. So Okay. Um so, I mean, speaking of, of, so you've been breeding bows since 2005. When was your first retic clutch and what was it? So my first retic clutch was, it was a joint, uh, actually. So you probably know my memory. A lot of people don't. My memory sucks. My, my first retics was a pair of lavenders. And I can't remember if I had a clutch from them first or if it was from my business partner. And it was the, the uh, head titaniums we made from the wild caught to the Bali yellowhead. But oh, nice. that clutch, I know, it was in 2008. So it was either 2007 or 2008 when I had my first clutch. I didn't buy baby retics. When I when I got into retics, I bought adults and did it all the wrong way. So Kids, don't try this at home. Do you yes, know how yes. old they were when you acquired them? Uh, I want to say the pair of lavenders that I got were like four or five when I got them. Okay. But they weren't fed heavy. They were probably 14-foot-ish, 13, 14 foot I have a question for you, and I don't even know if you have the answer or not, or maybe Nathan has the answer. So just a question in general, but why don't we see a lot of albino to albino breedings? Do we not? I don't, I mean, not, yeah, I, was gonna say. I, I mean, so like, let's use the, the snow, for example, right? Have you ever seen a snow to snow pairing? And if so, like you can maybe count on three fingers. So I think that's more of the chasing aspect of gotcha. it. So you you're, think you're it's managing the market? combos and stuff. Oh, and that's okay, why people okay. aren't doing like snow to snow. Like back when I got into retics, 
there was tons of albino to albino because everybody wanted albino. Mm-hmm. But once we started getting other morphs in, everybody was doing hets to try to better that combination and, you know, forward the, the projects. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that's probably what it is. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. I always thought that doing that would also kind of increase the opportunity of saturating the market for them because snows have maintained their, their price for a good time. Yeah. Snows, snows is one of those projects that has been pretty steady. And, always, and people always chase after them. Yeah. I'm chasing right now. Right. Hell, I've only made one. I'm hoping for Indo Snows. Yes. That's what Ooh. that's what I want to work towards. Um Okay. Let's let's jump in uh to some of the information that we really want to get across. Um, because having someone that's been breeding retake since 2007 or 2008, I feel like you've been through a good chronological timeline of what these snakes have, you know, how we've kept them, how we've bred them. Um, but I, I mean, I know that you you said earlier in, in the, the room that we were talking before we went live that you've watched some of our episodes. So you know very well that me and Nathan talk pretty often about how the industry is kind of evolving. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, in your experience, let's just start jumping into what, what have you seen in terms of involvement from like 2007 and then like, I mean, I don't know if you can possibly give us like a timeline of how things have kind of evolved and adapted. Okay. I, so I kind of want to think like husbandry to start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of caveat on, on both. So back like when I first got into retix, there, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, mass production of caging and whatnot. So a lot of the stuff that, that I made was just all wooden cages. It, it might, might have had like a shower liner <laughs> so that the wood didn't rot out or I used a shower board. So like one side was a, a smooth, slick surface and the other side was wood. And they, they were just horrible. I mean, and, and back then mites were, every, everybody that had retics had mites. And you could not get rid of mites with wooden enclosures. They just... It just wouldn't happen. Um, Vision was around, but they, at least in, in around here, it was harder to get. Um, I lucked into my, my business partner bought out a collection and we picked up something like 16 big ass Neos, the old box square Neos yeah. and a bunch of uh, Visions. So I went from wooden cages to those and it was a game changer. It was so much nicer, so much easier to clean and take care of. But those uh, those neos, those are the the boxed out ones that are almost like wedged in the back, right? So these were n- not the not the slant ones. Okay. I mean, they were they were fairly square, rounded on all four corners. But but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, Bob Clark's place has a lot of those uh those big slant ones. And they, uh, those, is that, you are those neos as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Neos made those. They made uh, they they used to make a tub, which I still have some in my uh, my snake building. They were like a, a five foot wide tub, and uh, those things are brittle now, but they're twenty <laughs> thirty years old. Yeah, <laughs> but the the old Neos were the best cages to me because they were they were completely flat on the bottom. They were slick. They had big air vents, so it was a lot of air circulation. Uh, I really what? liked those. What's I know cool, I know people still using them to this day. Oh yeah. What's cool is if you go on the the Retake Nation on Facebook and you type in like enclosures or you do that, you you can find 
when people were buying Neos. Like, it goes that far back. Um, I, I did that once, and I was running into, like, uh, these... What what was like the really big up and coming uh, up and coming company back then that had the aluminum enclosures or the steel? Oh, Centec. Uh, Centec, yeah. So yeah. that you ever own any of those? I never have. Uh, I like the look of them. I don't know that functionally functionality was very good with those though. Okay. They seemed like there was too many seams that you know reach like piss gallons. It just <laughs> seems like those would uh, would leak. But like I said, I've never had them, so it may not have been an issue. Okay. Because those are just like puzzle pieces together. And so you you started off with wood cages and then you went to visions. Um, and um, what what are you what are you seeing in terms of like husbandry? Did you keep them hotter back then? Like what what were you doing back then that I, was different now? I've kept my temps and stuff pretty much the same since I got into them. Um, and, and I guess I'm probably weird. I've so used to I kept bows, balls, retics, berms, corn snakes. And I might have every species of that in a rack. So they were all on the same temperature and they did fine. Um, I mean, we know now they like a little bit different, but uh, husbandry, like I've, I've gone through cypress mulch, aspen, uh, the cocoa blocks, paper, just all kinds of stuff over the years. And now I just use paper, but uh I want to transition the way I keep. Now, keeping as long as you have, I, I feel like we talked about this on an episode or two back, but did you ever, uh, as a kid, have the heat rock phase? So I, I did have heat rocks. Not not keeping snakes, but back when I had lizards and stuff, I had heat rocks, and I killed yep, lizards yep. with heat rocks. <laughs> I, think, I think I had one with an iguana back in the day. So Yeah. I think oh, anybody, man. like... With some age on them has had some kind of reptile with a heat rock yeah i think that that ages you about 30 years plus right exactly yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so um i mean have you always done uh like do you use heat tape do you use heat yeah panels? so i've i pretty much always used heat tape um the past couple years i've uh been kind of doing a few bioactive enclosures with some of my other species and I've been using the radiant heat panels. So I think that's kind of what I'm going to go towards in the future is the radiant heat panels. I might still use some heat tape, like in some shelving or something like that, kind of integrated into the cage. But uh, with using the substrate, I kind of want it, you know, the, the heat radiate down. Yeah. That would be an interesting design to be able to, have a shelf in there that has heat whether there's like a false wall within the enclosure and you run the cord on the outside or whatever the case may be i think that'd be really cool i want to do like kind of like an inch thick shelf but have it hollow inside to where i can put the heat tape inside of it yeah interesting um so you made a statement earlier about like you want to start changing the way that you keep so um I mean, first off, like, what's motivating you to do that? Honestly, it's the newer generation of keepers. I've been seeing a lot of people these days keeping bigger enclosures, putting stuff with their animals for enrichment, hides, branches, stuff like that. And that was stuff like back when I got into it, it was just a burden. So we didn't do it. Right. And, you know, pulling... And back then, the, the snakes were a little bit different. You know, a wild-caught snake, you don't want to fight off of a branch 
in yeah. the enclosure. You don't want it, it to was... have anything it can mount and just Wait, rock you with. <laughs> I, I have a caveat. I, I've had something that I, I knew I was going to bring up at one point in this podcast, but you said you didn't want to get one stuck in a branch. How about one stuck in some uh, branches behind your crock? <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that's, that that's was maybe a... my favorite Chris story. I need to you need to send me pictures of that, Chris, so I can go ahead and put it up on the screen. Oh man, that was that was scary. Like, so most of you guys know I, I have a or I had, I recently got rid of it. I had a Morlet's crocodile. Oh and... sad, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think I, I can figure out why. <laughs> so my pied, my platinum sun pied retic got out and I have a uh, expanded metal gate across the entire front opening of my croc enclosure. And to this day, I still don't know how the fuck it got inside of that enclosure. <laughs> but it, it got into the enclosure and it was up on the PVC that I have for uh, some ivy that grows down. And I'm like, okay, how do I get in here, avoid the croc, and get the snake? Because I can't wait for my wife or a friend to come over. Because if that snake drops down, it's food. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I, back then, a platinum sun pipe wasn't cheap. So I was like, <laughs> all right, I, I got to like get in here. So I ended up like taking, I don't remember if I had a snake hook or tongs or something to try to get the crock away from me while I grabbed the pie. And luckily, he wasn't bad. Like, he was super chill. So it was, it was interesting. Oof. Yeah. I ended up like climbing on the uh, the ledge that I have for him, or for the for the crocodile. So I had like maybe two foot from the ledge to the ceiling. So I'm like hunkered down, oh crawling across it, making sure the croc doesn't jump up and get me. No thanks. It, oh. Yeah, it was a mess. No if if any of you are familiar with Chris, you know he puts out a ton of videos on social media just of him, you know, pulling clutches and and doing stuff like that. Just real world experience with his animals. And there's two videos that I wish that Chris had for for us, and it's that, <laughs> and then having to break the box for the the clutch this oh, year. Dude, Why I did, was, dude I was, you you would have gotten millions of views on YouTube if you did that. I was so upset that I forgot to record that shit. I was like, I'm gonna record it. I'm gonna record it. And then I get in there, <laughs> and I had some help, and we just started getting after it. And oh, yeah, man, because was... I, I'd be a little like I'd be a little like in the zone, ready to do this. I think I would have forgot the camera too. Like yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and she, dude, she was so chill. Like there was so many times where she could have just grabbed me, and I wouldn't right. even have known because my hands were around her, trying to like move her around to get the lid lifted up. And oh, uh. you know my my mainland retake that I have here that just laid her clutch. She's like my heaviest snake that I have. Um, and she definitely has the biggest head that I have, even bigger than my Slayer that's longer than her. Um, and I was just like, I swore, I was like, this steak is just going to be awful trying to pull her off. And she literally just didn't even budge, completely took her off the eggs. And one little go around, it probably took me only 15 seconds to get her off those eggs. That's what kills me with a lot of the videos that get circulated around is right. they show the female just being absolutely insane. And nine times out of 10, that's not the case. If you catch them shortly after they got done laying, they're so spent. Yeah, like they care, but they're just kind of like twitching and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to keep the eggs tight. So right. you can normally just kind of pull them off and take the eggs. I mean, I pulled a clutch a day and a half after they finished laying and 
she was still easy going. Yeah. Uh, and that was an F1. That was my Philippine. So I, I think that's a good caveat into some of the stuff that's been brought up by you recently. And that's just how the, how we're portraying these animals on social media. Something you want to touch on a little bit? Yeah. So I, I made a comment the other day about somebody that was hand feeding a retake and I didn't mean it like directly at that person. Sure. You know, I'd seen it quite a few times and it was just like, okay, today I saw it again. I'm going to make a comment about it. And it wasn't like it was a bad video for the general public, but for people keeping snakes and people wanting to get into retics, it's not showing a safe way to do it. And I'm all about safety. You know, taking a big snake bite just isn't fun. I've been bit. You wear sandals in your snake room. Yeah, but they're normally not at my feet. <laughs> they're normally true. like right here. I'm only messing around. I know you're serious about safety, but I, I, you got bigger guts than I do. I think I've only been caught once with sandals or, or no shoes in the snake room. I was going to say, normally, like when I'm cleaning, I take my flip-flops off because I'm always spraying out tubs or cages and they get wet and I slide around on it. So right. for me, it's safer to have that footing to be able to move out of the way quick without shoes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So safety, again. Right. I'm, I'm all about safety and keeping the animal safe as well as yourself. So if I see something that someone's promoting that's unsafe, I'm typically going to say something. And that's not like a bad thing. It's just, could you please look at what you're doing, maybe change it up so that somebody doesn't get hurt? Because that's, that's the biggest thing for us. If someone gets hurt, the general public looks at that a lot more. And I think a lot of the time, a lot of those videos fall into beginner error. Um, so I cut, I cut a lot of those videos, some slack. Um, I'm, I'm betting if a lot of these, uh, big keepers, maybe even yourself included had access to social media and posting videos the way we do now, we would have posted some dumb stuff back in the day. I know I've posted a video that I've wiped from the internet as good as I can. I did it a couple years ago with my crop. I was outside trying to train my croc to eat off a little lid and I was wearing flip-flops because I'm a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) And at the time I didn't think anything of it, but someone was like, dude, that's really stupid. And I was like, wow, you're right. So I took the video down and there's nothing wrong with that. Like we're in the moment. We're not thinking of all the safety aspects or what it could potentially do to the hobby. And we post stuff, but if someone makes a comment or brings it up to you, you kind of got to like take a step back and think about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give an example of how far it can go. Uh, just with, with my example. And, uh, that was back when I was on my IV medications and just stuck at the house all day. I was cleaning cages one day on just my little tiger girl. I think she was like a year and a half old, maybe two years old. So she was tiny. Um, and I had her up on a coat rack and I'm just doing an Instagram live and, uh, had her behind me in frame and, you know, I'm bobbing up and down in front of her, cleaning her cage, uh, and took a little tag to the shoulder, nothing crazy. And I just turned around and said, Hey, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, and even though it's not a bad video, no one got hurt. I'm still getting bit. And that video ended up on ridiculousness. And that's when I, I took it down. I didn't want to be associated with that video. 
Um, I'm sure it will live on the internet somewhere, but I'm not ever going to promote that. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's what, so like, I've always been, I've, I've always been just self-conscious in the past about even like posting me getting retaked outs or handling them just because I fear of being judged if I was doing it right or whatever the case may be. And so I haven't had any, like, I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, they, these animals can be, um, dangerous, you know, especially if you have a croc. Um, I've been fortunate, like I've been pretty lucky. Uh, there's probably, if I would have recorded some of the introductions with a wildcat Kalatoa that just hated me, those probably were ugly. Um, but the reality of it is, is, um, again, just trying to evolve and, and better the community because back then right. those, those videos were posted often. And, and if you even think about how algorithms work with social media, right, the more attention, the more it gets pushed out places and, Believe it or not, it's probably not us that really give a shit about those kind of videos, but it's the general public who sees it and yeah. comments and likes, and then it just starts to blow up, right? Which is why you, you know, uh, a good example of how prehistoric pets has had a massive uh, following online. A lot of those videos gone viral with two, three, four hundred million views. Um, so, well, and uh, everyone knows the worst example of the the lady keeping rats in her snake room with uh, the big retic she didn't know how to keep. You know, I mean that's that's the infamous so retic video at this point. Right. So bad. So, yeah, it's just that's not how we want to be promoting this hobby. Right. Any of these animals, let alone retics that get big. Yeah. What what what's your opinion on on live feeding videos? Because I, I, mean, I tend I, to, I tend to, I don't post them. I don't like when they're posted. And if I follow a lot of people that follow me, I follow back regardless. Like if they're a snake breeding, you know, business, I always will follow back. And oftentimes I'll follow, follow black blindly as long as I see that they breed, even if it's ball pythons, whatever the case may be. But I'll go through my feed and see people posting their live feeding videos often. And I just, I unfollow them. It's not something I do that the same. I, it's not even something. And it, yes, it is kind of a statement as I don't want that to be out in the public, but it's also, I don't enjoy watching it. I don't enjoy the aspect of an animal who doesn't have the opportunity in the wild to get away and, and watch that, that, that sequence of events go down. Don't get me wrong. I know live feeding is necessary for a lot of animals. I'm not against right. live feeding at all. Um, but I don't really care to, I know as a kid, I used to get so excited. Like it was like, I, I couldn't wait until I fed my ball Python. Right. Um, but like, I, I've learned that, you know, you put another animal in a position where it has no opportunity. It's no longer fun to watch anymore. It's clearly yeah. who's <laughs> clearly there's going to be one winner. I, I look at those as they're, they're just for show. They're mm -hmm. just for the clicks and, and likes. Um, I mean, we, we all know in the wild, they eat live stuff. But in captivity, most things eat frozen thaws. And if they don't, do you really need to post the live feeding? Like, it doesn't bother me so much, but I've been keeping reptiles all my life. So, but, you know, somebody else that likes rats or rabbits. Rats are cool, rats are cool as hell, by the way. I don't know if you've ever had a pet rat. I have, but they're pretty oh, cool. I've never had a greatest. pet rat, but I've raised rats. <laughs> and I had pet rats growing up, and they were, they were awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got to think about like who, who's going to watch that, and are they going to take it wrong? Right. I I think we're set up in in decent ways now, uh, especially with kind of the YouTube generation. I I have a young niece, eight years old, 
that uh, is slightly interested in reptiles just because of her uncle. And, uh, you know, she's she's starting to get into like snake discovery and, and people who are, are pushing, you know, proper, yeah, yeah proper content and, and not just stuff for the views. So yeah. I yeah. think I think the content that's being pushed right now, we're really going in a positive direction. Right. I agree. I think most most stuff that's out there is in a positive light. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, and then again, if we do run into the video where it looks like someone's antagonizing an animal or something like that, like there's always another story behind it. Um, you know, I, an example, an observation that I made is I was watching a very popular, you know, uh, YouTuber and, and snake breeder um, that was looked like it was bothering the snake. And I looked at it and I was like, is that necessary to, to post? But then I started looking more and what I thought was actually antagonizing the snake was just that person trying to grab the snake to not go away and under other, like, an area that would be very hard to get the animal out of. But it looked like it was antagonizing it in the video. Again, kind of clickbaity in that sense. But, you know, there's always another side to the story that we don't right. see oftentimes. Um, so in regards to, you know, how I'm assuming how you'd like to see the industry go is removing these attention seeking type of videos the you know there's one thing to have clickbait and then provide a really good video and then there's yeah. there's just the intent of actually posting a video for attention and likes and clout yeah unfortunately i don't think those are going to go away because no. they no, get no, no, too no. many views but yes it would be in the perfect world <laughs> yeah. those would be gone and it would all be good educational you know reptiles are beautiful so yeah. Um, so I want to go back like 10 minutes into the discussion we were having about how you plan to advance your husbandry. Um, you were talking about kind of you evolving. And so what are some things that you are currently doing or working on or near future thinking that you are, are trying to change because you were mentioning and talking about the younger generation kind of inspired younger generation of keepers, I should say, because there are some people that are older that are keeping for the first time. Um, but um, what what are some things that you're trying to do that's kind of inspired you? So I haven't uh, like publicly came out and said it, but I am downsizing. I'm not getting out of reptiles, but uh, I'm downsizing my collection back to what I consider a hobby aspect of it and something I can enjoy more. I want to do bigger enclosures, more hides, more stuff to climb on, stuff like that where I, I've seen the, the newer generation of keepers doing a lot of that stuff. And I really like it. It looks good. The snakes seem to like it. You know, up until, I want to say last year or the year before, I never put hides with, with my snakes, except for when I first got into snakes. And most of my caging now, I put a hide in. And the snakes get in them. They get on top of them. They really enjoy them. So us older people yes we're, we're doing stuff the way we've always done it and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that you know it's worked for however long you've been doing it but could we do better and that's what i'm striving for i guess i, I have a strong opinion about that because like i know that there are breeders out there that are amazing people that are amazing keepers that that have so much love and passion for their animals but they're keeping them how retakes were kept a very long time ago. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just hope, I really hope that like 
is it a bad thing that you can have a 15, 16 foot snake or plus in a vision enclosure? That's debatable, but I understand where these people are coming from. And so I don't judge them by any means, but I, I really do. I would really like to see us get to a place where before you made a comment earlier on about like why people didn't put stuff in the enclosure just because cleaning it was, you know, it was an inconvenience. Right. Yeah. And I, I really want to start seeing the hobby move towards like, let's not do what's convenient for us, but what's in the best interest of the animals. Because I think right. all of us who are doing this love the animals. It's, it's about the animals. Um, yeah. So I'd like to see us actually a- apply it. Like I'd like to see it in action with more people that have been keeping for a long time. But I mean, even my evolution of what I'm doing now, um, you know, I just got my last snake out of a V70 rack and I'm hoping to not need to use one again. Um, but before when I, even when I just started keeping four or five years ago, um, or five years ago now, um, I, I plan to use racks a lot. Like I had like two enclosure at the time. And when I got more snakes, I bought like two racks and like, yeah. I, I was a rack mindset person. Um, and that's only five years ago. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to max out these racks until they need their full size enclosure. And, um, and, and even now I'm starting to change and get away from racks and, and trying to provide as much height as I can. Um, what, what size enclosure are you trying to build? So everything I'm going to be keeping for the most part is going to be super dwarf or dwarf crosses. So like my big Slayer girl, she's probably 15 foot ish. She's kind of spicy, so I haven't been able to like really measure her. But I want to build like a 10 foot enclosure. It's like three foot deep, and what was I thinking? Like 30 inches tall, so that she she could have a shelf in there to to get on. And then for my smaller animals, I want to do six foot enclosures that are three foot deep and 30 inches tall, just so they have more room. It's it's easier to clean because there's. I mean, I'm gonna to go to the bedding, so. You know, I'll just spot clean for the most part. I don't have to clean the big ass enclosure, but <laughs> I, I want more space. And it, it'll also, I'm going to build my rooms to maximize or max capacity, I guess, so that I cannot expand. Because <laughs> that, that's my, that's been my issue since I've been in reptiles is like, oh shit, there's an empty cage or an empty spot. You know, I can build that's something me. or put something there and it just always expands. So yep. I, I want to do bigger enclosures more activity for the animals and just kind of try something new. Okay. And, and I know we've talked about this a little bit. Is this due to, you know, life just kind of kicking our ass as we get older and, you know, audio <laughs> not being able to keep up with some of these bigger animals as well. For real. Yeah. Yeah. I did get a pinched nerve in my back from one of my bigger retakes. She wasn't being aggressive or anything. She just like, Hey, I'm moving this way and you're going that way. And mm-hmm. Messed me up for a while. The back uh, just like, uh. all it yeah, takes is a wrong twist. My, my shoulder, it's, I'm pretty sure it's torn again. This was, you know, past six months or so. So, yeah, down, downsizing wasn't just me wanting to do better for the animals. It's, it's also getting older. And I've, I feel like I've done enough breeding that I can kind of step back and let some other people take over. You know, I'm still going to have a few projects that I want to work and I want to see you know, through, but, uh, yeah, age, age has got something to do with it. I want to spend more time with, with my wife and take more trips and stuff. So just, just send me in, 
send me and Nathan your titanium stuff, and we'll we'll continue your legacy. Dude, <laughs> I, I this mail that just hatched out. It's I'm insane. having so much trouble keeping him or not keeping him. Oh man, but um, I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear you kind of talk about the the real world sides of, of like, yeah, when you get older, this shit can start to to kick your ass. Um, yeah, I dude, in a lot of the people I grew up with are older than me, like 10, 15 years at least. I'm like, I don't know how they still every day right. go fuck with 15 to 18 <laughs> foot retics. Like, hey, don't work, get me man. wrong. I know there's a couple people out there uh, that are in wheelchairs and stuff that keep uh, retics and more power to you. But, you know, I just... With my back issues, I couldn't imagine trying to keep a mainland. Right. Yeah. It's it's work, and and I love them. They're they're great animals. But yeah, the two you I gotta have know are your, awesome. You got to know what you can do as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Be realistic. Right. You know that having that like man syndrome, you know that that like issue that us men have with not admitting that we're we're doing too much or not going to the doctor in like ten years. Yep. And, you know that that exists so sometimes it takes a good look in the mirror to to be like should i keep hurting every day for this yeah. much longer um, it, it took months of watching my wife and my buddy jace clean all my snakes oh. while i had to sit there oh is, like, isn't i mean even just brutal. when i was going through that stuff my ex was taking the water dishes and just dumping them and filling them up for me and just having to see that oh yeah it was, I, I was like, oh, I'm like useless. And these are my animals. Yeah. Like I've always had people I consider that I'm mentoring come in and help and learn about, you know, keeping big snakes and stuff. But I, I've always interacted with them and done all the aggressive ones or bigger ones myself so that, you know, they weren't in any danger. And I couldn't do that. So trusting other people to mess with my collection sucked. Yeah. So how how important has it been over the years to have, you know, just a good network of people around you that you can call in in case of emergency? Have you had oh, that around you always? So I, I've been very fortunate and I have. There's a tight knit community here. Of, I mean, there's not a bunch of retail keepers, but there's there's a few. And anytime any of us have issues, we jump up and, and help each other out. So whether I'm on a cruise ship and the the person watching the house is like, hey, this snake's out or, you know, this one passed or something or this one took a big shit and <laughs> you come over and clean it. I can hit somebody up and, and they're over real quick. Yeah. So I, I've been very fortunate in that. And I got a, a good group of friends that uh, share the same passion I do. But I, I think that speaks to just being positive in the community and active. Right. Uh, I, I, I was kind of the same way within my local community. And when I needed help, I was able to put the word out and get someone over here. So yep. it, it's it's a big help when you're dealing with yeah. any of these animals. I have uh, I, I have two people here that I could trust. Like if I go out of town, one of them is a newfound individual. Uh, he, he's local um, and he keeps hots. And so when he came over and he was messing with like adult retics for the first time, he helped me with an animal that I had that had like a tiny, tiny little prolapse. Um, but it's so crazy to think like, 
he he's seen hatchling retics before, but he comes in and because he works with hots, he's just like, "Where's your hook?" He opens a cage, turns like <laughs> like the guy, and I'm like, "All right, so I don't gotta worry about anything." And uh, I, I mean, clearly he's like, "Yeah, if I get bit, what's the worst that happens? It hurts, big deal." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like that makes sense. Um, but then believe it or not, the other dude that I can trust right now is Sean, and he's my high school helper. He's 15 years old. He's bigger than I am, but. I have spent countless hours with him in my garage and I can literally sit back as he takes a 10 foot F1 Philippine out of her enclosure. It's, it's pretty freaking cool. So That's when awesome. I'm out of, when I, when I'm out of town, he doesn't get the big snakes out. He does what right. he, he knows he's comfortable with and we agree what snakes he can take out and stuff. But it, it's a huge blessing when you got have the opportunity to be able to leave town and no longer, cause it wasn't like that for me a year ago when I would leave town for vacation. Cause my wife and I travel a lot. Um, it's stressful, man. I'm, it, 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 it's not fun. Um, but yeah. you know, when, when you have a sensor that tells you, Hey, your, your, your incubator temperature is low and you have someone that can go over there to, to plug it in because your cat unplugged the freaking um, the cord, you know, it's, it's a nice peace of mind. That, that, the, the technology aspect of keeping these days is so nice. Dude, I used to worry so much when I'd go out of town for even just a few days. But if right. I went on a cruise for like seven days, I was a nervous wreck. Right. Right. Like no, we have somebody watch phone. the house, but <laughs> they don't know about the incubator temperatures and, and racks and stuff. So I'm like, oh. Right. Yeah. When my sister would come over, I would just be like, all right, just make sure that the lights on the, the thermostats are on. Make sure the right. snakes are moving around. If you and hear feed, a... feed the cats. That's all I right. really want you to do. <laughs> If you if you hear a beep on yeah. like this box on top of the cage, call me ASAP. <laughs> well, and uh, this is a, a shameless plug, but go over to VivTech and get your camera because you can just jump on those cameras now and, right. and check that every your power's on, obviously because your camera's on. Right. Zoom in, look at all your animals real quick. Good to go. They also have awesome timers for lights that also have like these. That, yeah, the the products that they have are, are pretty awesome and. Um, I yeah. just learned about those timers. Yeah, those timers are great. I mean, yeah, and, my and... buddy that keeps Crocs and stuff, he I was over helping him set up a, a shelving system for some of his snakes. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I got this timer from VivTech, and it was like 60 bucks or something. I was like, you bought a timer for 60 bucks? And he started explaining to me. He's like, oh, yeah, I can check it on my phone. I can turn it on and off it's I peace of mind individual dude. plug i was like okay now that's pretty cool it's peace of mind they they yeah and they, they also have another one that is not as expensive that's just like you know for lights or or for you know but but they do have one that has a lot more functionality but yeah i have I, when i went to arlington they gave me a couple to bring over here and to try out and and they've been great that's what i'm running their uh VivTech light on the uv lighting on my okay. home Hera, I have that set from like 9.30 to 6 every single day. It just does what it needs to do. I don't have to worry about forgetting and leaving the house without turning it on. Or Wait, you know, Lucas, it... you're telling me that you don't have to flip the 100 pins around the <laughs> dial to get the individual <laughs> sides right. to turn off at no, the right exactly. time? No, <laughs> exactly. Dude, that shit sucked. <laughs> so no. speaking of growing and trying new things we were talking about VivTech, and you have one in with your retake now do you see it get underneath the light at all every single day i have it get right under it that the, the snake is my so the experiment that i'm doing is with the homohara um mm -hmm. female that i have that is a year old like in april or may and 
she's a little firecracker. And so she would like to stay hidden all the time before. And then I moved her in a big enclosure instead of a rack. Well, big enclosure for her. She started being more active. And then on the second phase, when I started turning on the light, she's out in the open, like doesn't even care about being hidden, just chilling under that light. Um, she'll wrap around the cage of that light. And the cool thing about the lights are LED, so they don't emit, uh, emit right. heat. Um, and she she loves being under that thing. Cool. Yeah. I got some from my Crocs and my wife's Euros, but we haven't put them on yet. We're if still working on their enclosures. If you are going to build new enclosures for your animals, put a VivTech bulb in there. At least That's just, my plan. just try one. They're, they're, yeah. I, I'm sold. Um, I, I've just seen a lot of difference <clears throat> in this. Um, and I, I think that's another aspect of the evolution of keeping that we should probably talk on is, you know, obviously it seems like you're going to move towards lighting, but what like UV lighting, but like, is that, is that something that you think down the road will be a standard or do you think that there's going to be too much resistance and we're just going to have to phase out some of the older. I keepers? honestly, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a standard, but for, for the people that aren't like just breeding, I think it'll become a norm maybe. Because years ago with crocodiles, we never put lights on them. We never did UV and people were like, oh, they don't really need it. And then my croc had a bone deficiency with his teeth. And I started putting UV on it. Once I put him outside, it, it all came back. So I'm a firm believer in, in the UV. Now, like I said, I haven't tried on my snakes yet, but I, I plan on trying it to see if there is a difference. Yeah. I see that my one that I have right now actively seeks it. Every single cage that I have being built for me here on out is going to have a VivTech bulb in it. Um, my, my only issue of it, uh, like installing new bulbs in current enclosures is I, I like everything to look good. And when I start to drill holes in my cage and I start to screw shit and I start to like, I'm going to, I'm going to mess these cages up. And I spent a lot of money on my caging. <laughs> See, so, that's where my buddy Alan at Recoil, he's going to do all that shit for me. Like, exactly. I, I'm going to give him my ideas and he'll do everything custom and and figure it all out. Like, yes. I'm, I built my own enclosures before I'm done. There's plenty of places <laughs> doing that. So, like, right, you, you yeah. just have to have that in mind as you're building stuff out right. from this point forward if that's the direction you yeah. want to go. Another plug, VivTech. They're able to do that. and, and um, VivTech. They, or not VivTech, Focus Cube. Um. Yeah, but I, I was going to touch on that because they're building almost the, the type of enclosure that you're going to be moving towards, Chris, and I'm going to phase it into, same with Lucas, but a, a bioactive setup with a radiant heat panel. So it'll be interesting to see with my male pusher to, you know, just see what difference you can make been... for I've been debating on trying some different plants in with mine. Like I've got a go ahead. Do one bioactive. Just play with it. Talk to Scott. Scott, I don't know if you know Scott Severs. Name uh, sounds familiar. But I'm he he's done some huge bioactive enclosures with his larger retakes. And it's Wait, doing... is that the dude over in Europe? Nope. He's got the like huge enclosures with all kind of plants and shit no i've seen that before uh that's okay. freaking amazing but no this is a guy yeah. who just he builds like uh 10 by 3 or 10 by 4 you know uh enclosures that he's now making bioactive and has lighting and all that stuff in there and it looks like a jungle in there and his retics yeah. huge retics are up on branches 
Um, so I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see your experience with doing it with an adult. Yeah, like I, I probably won't do it with my Slayer girl. No, but... no, 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 no. <laughs> see, you need my, to like my, plant a my jungle tree carpet. There. She she crushes all the plants I put in there now. So, uh, but yeah, some of the smaller stuff I wanna I wanna try it just to see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I've had people message me like, "Hey, is Chris getting out of Retix? Is is because you've posted a lot of like adult proven breeders." Yeah ready to go and you know how the recession is right now and a lot of people are jumping board or they're they're downsizing massively and and so people are that's like, what i hate I, I like the timing of this for me it looks like i'm just doing it because of the recession and people are you know having issues selling snakes and that is not the case this right. is something i've been planning for a couple of years we just talked about it a year ago yeah and then with my back and shoulder it just kind of pushed it a little bit quicker so yeah it's just kind of gotta happen um, so I like right now, what are you thinking about? Like, what's a, I got two questions. One that I probably should have asked like at the beginning of the episode and I'll ask that one after this, but like, what's your ideal number of adults that you want to have for retics? For retics? I, I'm still kind of toying with my list, but I, I'm thinking 10 ish is, is a good comfortable number for me because I'm still going to keep some boas. Um, some Angolans, just some odd and stuff that I've I've had for years, but uh, the retics probably ten, maybe fifteen. Ten, fifteen total, or are you talking adult females? Just just adult males and females. Okay, cool. That's a that's a good number. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not much higher than the number I've thought is pretty reasonable for what I want to do. I mean, I came from like 2010 we produced like 800 babies and I was Damn. like, I'll never fucking do that again. Oof. This wasn't just retics. It was retics, berm, falls, boas, but Oof. it was every day after work, I was cleaning until I went to bed, cleaning or feeding. And it was, it was too much. So which shit was different back then. Like you could sell whatever and people bought it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like prices of everything is going up, but exponentially with snakes in general, I mean, with all the morphs and morph chasing and, and world's first and all this different stuff, it, you know, there's, I feel like you see more snakes in the $1,000 range than you do in the three $400 range today. Yeah, well, and, and that's another thing that I'm going to change on how I breed is instead of chasing the five sixteen combos, I'm just going to try to refine the stuff I like. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you didn't watch our episode from last week... Uh, I haven't yet. N- no, I was speaking to our listeners. If you haven't oh, watched sorry. it, or Chris, since you haven't <laughs> watched it... He is our listener. Since you haven't watched it, go back and watch that. We had a good uh, had a good discussion about um, breeding with a purpose and selectively breeding. And, and just, um, you know, my opinions are very strong in the sense of I would much rather make the best-looking single Kodam that anyone has ever seen than you know a five or six gene animal yeah i agree um, oh man um so my second question follow-up question that i should have asked earlier but like i want to know i don't i don't think i even know everything that you keep like what do you keep <laughs> like everything i mean yeah i mean anything that is exotics why why not okay so retics boa constrictors Angolan pythons, diamond python, jungle jag carpet, 
ATB, uh, you keep, tree, you keep tree bows? Yeah. Or oh. it's, it's my wife's, but yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's small and it's in a bioactive, so we don't have to mess with it. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Is it, is it feisty? Uh, like the reputation? Oh yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, assortment of turtles that I keep with the Cayman. What's your um, favorite turtle? Right now, and ooh, actually, my favorite turtle is the black-breasted leaf turtle. The Vietnamese black-breasted leaf turtle. They are the cutest, most Google inquisitive right little fuckers you'll ever see. Black, They're so cool. Chested, leaf. black-breasted, breasted, yes. chested. <laughs> Their eyes—they're so captivating. Like when they go to eat, like I don't know how they survive in the wild because when they go to eat, they're just like, oh my so god. So slow, and then they grab it. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely, they're cute. Yeah. Um, what What's that tortoise that you have that likes water? Tortoise that likes water? Or do you have a turtle or a tortoise? We Are used they... to have an aldapa tortoise. No, 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 no. Okay, so maybe it's a turtle that you keep. Is that the one that you keep that you showed me pictures of when you came over? Probably the black breasted, yeah. Okay, I was gonna say don't they, they do get the like water and just kind of soak. So actually, I probably showed you the baby that we had, and you keep them in a wet atmosphere, like or uh, wet enclosure. You have okay. sphagnum moss and water, and then just like a rock for them to get on. Okay, yeah, they're really cool. Um, so assortment of turtles. What else? My wife's got some uromastics, some frogs, hognose. Um, I had some cows. Just killed them. <laughs> <laughs> Eating for the winter. Yep. Or more like the spring and summer. Yeah. So a baker's dozen of species. Yeah. Nice. I've, I've gone like full circle. Like I, I got a bunch of like crazy shit when I first got into stuff that I just liked. And then I just went to straight breeding aspect of it. It was still all the stuff I liked, but it was more about breeding. And now I'm kind of heading back to where I was and that's where I want to be. Okay. And I, man, I respect the hell out of that because I feel like the longer people get into breeding, the higher the opportunity to end up focusing on just the money side of things instead of the animals. Right. And for me, it's never been about the money. Yes. The money is nice. It, it helps run what I keep, but like it's, a, it's, it's a necessary evil, right? Like you need to right. make the money in order to keep the collection that you keep. Yeah. I just love animals, so yeah, yeah. Nathan, nah. Nathan, do you have any like plans to? I just saw you shift and like make eye contact with me over here. Huh? <laughs> um, sexy guys. <laughs> Nathan, do you do you plan to expand to any other species or any exotics or anything like that? Like in in the next like two years? Uh, two years. Uh, it, it just depends on you know. Uh, life's opportunities but if if uh everything's comfortable enough i would love to get into blue tree monitors there's a guy local great basin serpentarium uh joey over there has been breeding captive born and bred blue tree monitors for the last few years and you know that's that's a dream species of mine so i would love to have a big bioactive tree monitor set up yeah I, I would put that where my TV is right now, and I would just sit on my couch and watch that. <laughs> Me and my wife are actually talking about 
we have a, a fireplace in our living room with bookshelves on either side of it. And we're talking about ripping out those bookshelves and putting giant bioactive floor to ceiling enclosures in there. That but I don't know so what to put in there. Badass. I want to, I, I, I want to keep peacock monitors um, or, or some type of dwarf Ooh. monitor. Those, um, those peacock monitors. Peacocks, I, I got to see one and hold one for the first time at Arlington. Uh, VivTech Ryan had one um, that he was selling for a zoo. Um, and uh, such an awesome monitor. Um, but I think actually this year, I'm finally going to jump into a new species that I've been wanting to keep my entire life. Um, okay, maybe not like when I was five, but I've been wanting to keep for like over a decade now. Oh, so um, this is just a, a segue to you getting to talk about chondros? Yeah, I'm finally getting my first green <laughs> tree python. You. I'm so with you. Yeah, I, I talked to Patrick here in Texas, who's very well known in, in breeding um, green tree pythons, and he referred to me and highly recommended someone local to me here in San Antonio that just produced sarongs. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to go handpick my first one in hopefully four or five months. See, we talked about this the other day, and I almost feel like I need to wait until I'm more financially stable <laughs> so that I can wait till I get an adult one that's already like confetti looking. Right. Oh yeah, because you're you're wanting kind of the pixelated yes. kind of crazy high if you if you buy an adult like that or something that's already established, oof. That's what I'm saying though, but like, financial stability is gonna be necessary. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I take out those bookshelves and I put like a eight foot tall four foot wide enclosure there that would just be the pinnacle snake to put in it right absolutely uh i mean i wonder i don't know if people have kept more but like if you have a big enough enclosure it'd be cool to see like two females in there yeah just like one like six feet up and one like three feet down um i think that'd be so cool but yeah so um i am finding myself curious and wanting to keep other species i've even thought about scrubs but then i i, I reminded myself like i already have long athletic food driven right. animals i i mean i have retics I, don't get me wrong i know scrubs are probably completely different anybody who's listening that has a scrub is like you're an idiot they're not like retics like i get it oh one of like, the guys who got me into retics has been trying to convert me to scrubs for the last four years <laughs> i mean I they're hot for a year or so they're they're fun yeah i i and don't get me wrong but i mean like i i, I it, it's a dream animal animal of mine but as long as i'm keeping and breeding retakes like i i don't think i need another big hungry snake i got plenty <laughs> it's like timor pythons i've always wanted a timor i just haven't gotten one me too team timors are cool um but yeah i figured i i owed it to myself i was gonna start to keep any other species it had to be something that i i read like the complete chondro and back in like 2012 or something um i've been that into green tree pythons but always been kind of scared to jump in uh, yeah. because of the whole husbandry and all those things but that that's all old type of stuff if you get a captive bread now you should be good to go yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of on the same boat as chris i i would rather get a, a timor just because it's in the same genus as malayo uh, python yeah exactly well, they're gorgeous man yeah they're they're, they're gorgeous but I, I the malaya python part of it you know it's just a special connection Right. With me being yeah. so in love with retics. They look like retics yeah. too. I mean, well, they, they, there's, you see the similarities for sure. And I mean, even the crosses, like, I'm not a big hybrid person, but Those like, crosses are cool. They're, they they're are awesome. Like, and, you know, I say, like, I'm not, like, I won't buy a hybrid animal, but 
if I had like a dwarf berm with my super doors, or if I had a Timor, you better believe I'm trying. <laughs> like, Dude, hey, I, I tried that a couple years ago. I tried putting a pure super dwarf male to a ball python. How'd it go? She didn't breed. <laughs> what what way did you try doing it? Male, male, male super dwarf to female ball. Okay, cool. That's and it was it was a female that the year prior I did Angolan to ball python. Those look got, cool. Yeah. I got babies from that. I love your Angolans. Um, I keep telling myself that I, I want I want one when you produce your next clutch, but then I also remember that I need to not buy every animal that I want because <laughs> my, I was going to say, I'm going to be pairing them up here in a little bit. My wife will leave me. <laughs> I my, my big craze right now is I want a tortoise. We just need to get Lucas to stop buying animals. So, so you want to know what kind of? I mean, <laughs> Aldabras, yes, are the pinnacle, but in terms of like being able to keep a tortoise year round outside, I was thinking of those. Um, uh, what are they called? The ones that have the crazy triangular. We were uh, talking about this at the show. I think you're talking about the the radiated. Yeah, radiated tortoises because they can handle cooler temps. And here in Texas, we only have a week. Like, there's probably only two or three weeks of the year that I would have to bring right. that tortoise inside. Having and a, they're cool. They're, yeah, they're not I, as personable as the Aldabras, but they're still cool. Yeah, but an Aldabra, I need a forklift to get that dude inside my house. <laughs> yeah, they get big. We, we sold ours when it was like 100 pounds. And That's insane. Yeah, she was big. Now, um, just since you're in the, the turtle tortoise game, there was a book I was reading a, a while ago. I think it's the Indian star tortoise has some, uh, I don't know if they're legal to keep in the U.S. Uh, I know they were CITES for a while. Uh, there was some really dramatic smuggling attempts uh, out of Germany with some of them. Are they legal to keep now? I think they are, but I, I think it's like most sighty stuff. It has to be in your state already, or you have to get the CBW permit to get them in state. Right. Okay. Like I, I just, I, I thought you needed a license to keep Eastern indigos. Um, like, like the whole permit that you need to go through. But, um, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but I was told that if I bought one from someone who produced it here in Texas, I don't need to go through that process. Yeah. Cause what, what you need is just an interstate commerce. Uh, okay, permit. Cool. It's not. It's not an actual permit for the animal itself. It's just an interstate commerce so, thing. So yeah, that see, that's another animal that like I want to get into indigos and dry marcons, and I like how cool would it be to keep North America's largest snake? <laughs> yeah, and they're iridescent as shit, man. They look cool, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I have dreams to do a lot, but it's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> If I if I get to a place where I can have a freaking basically like a, 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 I mean like my dream would be to have not a storefront but to have some type of like, um, man someone's gonna steal this name now but like opening like a retictopia, and just having like I wanted like twelve different locality retics and massive walk-ins and be able to do parties and like I, I think that'd be really cool to have but unless I get a place like that which is I don't know how realistic that is. I probably just need to stick to to my retics and maybe another yeah. species or two. Don't steal retictopia. Don't get too much. <laughs> Don't get too much. No, get I'm burned already, out. I'm I'm capped out at, at my yeah. energy level and everything right now. Like I have, you know, twenty animals that are not hatchlings, and I have 
three clutches here um, and going to be a fourth clutch. So that capped. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, yeah, this is where I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I, think I, I think I've got, like, five clutches, maybe six clutches this year, and that's plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how people do it, man. People that are pumping out that many snakes a year, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. A lot um, of work. So, in general, when it comes to you – and where you're transitioning. So how many retics do you have right now? Like including babies or? Uh, yeah, let's, I mean, like you said you want to downsize to 15 adults. How, how many do you have right now? So I probably, sub adult adults, I probably got about 40-ish, something like that. Um, how often do you spend cleaning? How much time do I spend cleaning? Yeah, like, is it everyday thing for you? No, so I don't clean every day. Um, if if I have a bad cage or something, if somebody just destroys it, I'll clean it. But I typically just clean everything once a week and just kind of stick to that schedule unless it, like I said, unless it gets real bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. Um, so... Now we're talking about retics. If you have a snake, you have to clean, but they're in a, a shitty mood. Do you do you clean them or or do you let them be? Yep. yep. Chris 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 has really big balls. I don't. <laughs> well, I, I grew up with. I'll, I'll give them. I, the I started out with <laughs> imports and wild caught stuff, so you know. Okay. Okay. Aggressive yeah. snakes to me isn't like an aggressive snake to most me. people. I guess <laughs> like to me, right? Calling us out. He's like to you. I've had I've had some horny males. Maybe that's it. But besides that, yeah, male dude, males can go crazy. I have I have some males that are like dog tame throughout the year. Breeding time, they bite everything themselves. Water bowls, snake hooks, just anything. Yep. I'm yep. like, what are you doing? Like, why are you changing so much? Right. Said you two days ago. My my Slayer female. She's the only one that like. She's the only one that has shown me that she will have a day where I'm just not doing it. Like I it's so, it's me myself in a 14 foot snake and there's just days where I'm I'm for 5 minutes trying to get her out with her lunging at me and I'm just like at that point I'm like nope, it's just not going to happen that I'll I'll try again in a few hours. That that's one thing where where safety I have come up with ways of dealing with that. So even like when I first got into retics, I had a wild caught and I built a custom enclosure to where I could put a divider in the center. So I could clean one side, open up the divider a little bit and kind of prod her and she'd go to the other side and I put it in, clean that side. So my Slayer is currently in an eight foot enclosure that I can do the same thing. So if she's having one of her bad moods, I can still at least clean one side of the cage and depending on how she's acting, you know, coax her over to the other side and clean that side. I so think there's, that's there's ways around those aggressive snakes. Yeah, that that that's. I think about that right now. That's a luxury for retics. Like that's a luxury for for any caging. I, I don't know, especially not... a divider you can remove from outside the enclosure. Yeah, and it, it's fully enclosed, so there's, you know, there's no gaps to where they can get past and and get you. It's completely safe, and it doesn't obstruct the enclosure at all. So it's. It's a good way to do it if you have an aggressive animal that you're not comfortable working with by yourself. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know why that's not an industry standard. <laughs> Paul Spurlock started making cages, and I adapted his weight. So he did it to where he basically made two four-footers. I like wish the... he was more active in the community again. Yeah. That, that dude, I, I'd always love seeing him post. Well, and you yeah. see Brian Cusco's cages from Serpentine Designs. They they have that removable di- divider, but you know, there's people that are more active in pushing stuff in in the community. Uh, you know, Focus Cube starting to play around with some stuff where you have removable dividers. I have some boa file stuff, but it's all dividers that you have to go in unscrew from yeah. the inside. And I, I wish there was more cage makers that thought about aggressive animals like that to where you could safely handle them or you know clean the cage when they're not being good yeah 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 um so i want to give you an opportunity chris um so we're we're gonna soon transition into like a um quick fire round of some random questions that we have might be animal related might not be um so the idea behind that answer them as quick as possible but before we do that do you want to speak any more, anything on your heart or anything that you want to uh, tell our listeners um, in regards to this kind of process of evolving and pushing the community forward? So my, my whole aspect of it, because I've lived both lives, is it, it's not bad what we used to do or what we currently do, but can we do better or is it better to do it this way? You know, I, I've always had an open mind, not just with snakes, but in, in anything. The new guy that's been on the job for two days might have a better idea than what we've been doing. You know, yeah. we can't just like shrug off the new guy just because they're new. You know, we've been doing shit for 20 years the same way, but he might have a better way of doing it. So yeah. just keep your mind open to change. Yeah. Um, I, I've always liked the concept and this idea of... Um, you know, I, 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 I'm trading information. New people will come and ask me for, for keeping and breeding and, and, and husbandry tips. And in return, I'm taking all this crazy, amazing husbandry stuff that they're doing. And I'm looking at that and I'm trying to implement as much as I can yeah. into my collection. I, I feel like that's a fair trade. <laughs> well, we're seeing things evolve every day too. I mean, Chris touched on it earlier on, but uh, the amount that things have changed from when he started to now, I mean, even from when I've started, you know, seven, eight years ago to now, I've seen people drastically and change, change how they're doing their enclosures and keeping yeah. these animals. Yeah. I guess my, my last statement is just, I, I also think that um, if you feel that you have understood something to its utmost you're preventing yourself from growing and learning more so if you are stuck in your ways and how you keep your animals and you are not open to the idea of growth you're losing out on knowledge and opportunity to better understand the animals that you work with yeah. um and so um always always you know the idea of getting complacent with husbandry and those kind of things it can happen for a while but at some point we have to remind ourselves we need to get uncomfortable and try new things uh, for the benefit of our retics. And it, it, shit, it may not work. Like, right, right. I, I might do a bioactive enclosure and be like, man, that was retarded. But <laughs> right? yeah. I tried. I tried. I'm find that out soon. <laughs> um, all right. Um, Nathan, feel free to hop in on this uh, quick fire shoot question segment that we're going to de- do here. You, you ready, Chris? Sure. All right. What was your first ever job? 
shit. Uh, pushing a lawnmower, I guess. It was before I could actually work, but as okay. soon as I could push one, I had a job. All right. Well, same kind of mindset because this is one of mine. What's what's your day job now? I'm a welder. All right. Awesome. And a good one I, at that. I need you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what what's what's your favorite month? Oops. Month? I don't know. Summertime. Yeah. All summertime right. that's a bump <laughs> I'll, I'll take it i'll take it um so thank you for your service i know you're a veteran what branch of the military did you serve in air force air force awesome favorite food shit steak steak what kind of steak let's dive into this like ribeye okay how do you like your steak cooked and medium. i will literally end huh medium Okay. Uh, anything more? We were going to end the podcast right here. I was kicking you out. I was kicking you out. Of I used room. to have them well done. Oh, right. That's how. How horrible that, is that? That's, it's bad. I mean, now now at least you have to 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 kill your own livestock and appreciate that, and not and not freaking burn it to crisp. It, unless yeah. it's a big roast, it's it's not going past medium ever. Yeah. Yeah. When was and where was your last legit vacation? Ooh, uh, so we just went on a cruise to, shit, I don't remember, we're all, Dominican Republic, uh, shit, I got a horrible memory. <laughs> That's the goldfish. It, it was only right? like six months ago. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hey, I'm, you guys... I'm taking a trip here in April for our 20-year anniversary, so we're going to Roatan, yeah. so I'm 20 oh, nice. on that one. Congrats. Nice. Great yeah, stuff. if uh, if you know me and Chris, don't if you if you need something very important for us to remember, don't don't do it. Don't rely on us. No, just remind me. Trust me, I will <laughs> not get mad if you're like, hey, do you remember that? Hey, do you remember that? Hey, do you remember that? I, I expect it. Yeah, but but they probably get mad. Hey, so, do you I'm remember sure that? Do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I try. I try. Um, where did you grow up? So I was a military brat, uh, mostly Arkansas, lived in Vegas for a little piece. Okay. Um, what is your favorite body part? Well, my thought went to women. That was so... <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, That's uh, Not going to answer that on here. <laughs> All right. A any, any current bands that you're getting into? Uh, anything metal. Awesome. I, I listen to a wide variety of music. I, I I jump from Bob Marley to Deicide, but I'm I stick more to metal. Okay, and anything current that you want to shout out Gosh, that you've been? What the hell is that name? Shuffling through. Oh, he cut off. I bet his battery died. <laughs> probably let's let's um we'll we'll we we can live without knowing the metal band I, well, i'm dying inside a little bit it hurts right well let's we'll we'll make a cut if we need to we'll listen, just jump in we'll listen wait. we'll wait a little bit but listen everyone chris has been podcasting let's see it is <laughs> like four it is ten twenty three my time right now i believe i caught him on a podcast three three and a half hours ago 
So he, he's been running hard this evening. So we'll, we'll give yeah. him some grace here. I couldn't hear you guys. Y'all, oh. Both of you dropped off. I, I blame Lucas completely. <laughs> Fuck we, we were talking about metal and I was like, slaughter to prevail. And then y'all went. Oh, like, slaughter to prevail. Okay. I can, I can rest easy tonight knowing Chris made a solid decision in his metal <laughs> <Yeah>. choice. <laughs> so we're, we're back to the metal question. Slaughter to prevail is his favorite metal band. No, uh, Lucas, quick, who's the, it. who's the singer of slaughter to prevail. This is your rapid fire question. Mine don't, I don't fucking know. Don't get, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything against metal. I just don't listen to it. Um, are they good? I, I'm gonna Google it right. Alex, from, terrible. Right now. He's I like him. he's nasty. Okay. Um. All right. So I wanted to finish up with a few more rapid fire questions, <laughs> and then um, we'll we'll Sorry end the that. episode. No, you're good. And that's the beautiful part about being able to do post production and editing. So it's nice. Um. Okay. So um. What. So you you grew up a military brat and you're also an Air Force veteran. Is your bed made right now? No. <laughs> what, who, who, what that was know? a great question. It is now. Awesome. I love to hear that. Um, and what word do you hate hearing the most? Fuck, I don't know. None, really. Okay, good. I know there's a lot of people that are like, I don't like the word moist. Oh yeah, um, no, just a word. <laughs> it's like I cuss a lot. Like it's just a word. Right. How about favorite favorite animal in the world? Dwarf crocs. Dwarf crocs. Any particular? Uh, West African dwarf croc. Oh, oh, so like the only true dwarf croc. Yes. Okay. Uh, favorite sport? None. None. Awesome. That's I. I, I can actually respect that. Um, <laughs> All right, last question. Um, well, two more questions. First one before the last. Um, describe your style in one word. Laid back. Awesome. So last question is, where can people find you on social media? So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on TikTok a little bit. Eventually, like when I reinvent myself and get a new snake room. I'm going to start doing YouTube videos for educational purposes only. Awesome. But, uh, we need more yeah. of that. Awesome, man. Well, Chris, it was awesome having you on. Um, no worries about the technical difficulties here at the end. I, I really do. You've been at it for a long time tonight and who knows what you were doing all day today. So we really do appreciate having you on. Um, Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. I love y'all's podcast. Yeah. And I, that means a lot to me because, you know, we've only been talking for about a year regularly and you've become someone that has helped me, mentored me. And, and I, I look up to the way you keep your animals, the animals that you have, you're doing things really the right way. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that's few and far in between because there's definitely a lot of people doing it the right way. Oh, but sure. um, whenever those people that do it, like yourself, post on social media, are, are very strongly opinionated with passionate things. It, it, it goes a long way for us. And you're definitely an asset to the, the retake community. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, all right, guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Um, you guys have a good one. If you're listening during the day, evening or night, uh, don't forget to drop down those comments. And again, thank you guys so much for all your support. Thank you for joining us yeah. once again. Uh, please, 
uh, join one of the coolest Discord chats in the reptile industry, especially in the retic industry. Um, and, and we'll and guarantee it. I don't know. <laughs> don't go that far, Lucas. That's promising a lot. Uh, but no, uh, hang out with us there. We do uh, Discord chats every other Friday. Uh, early chats, access. Video. We early access. We try to do some behind the scenes stuff. It's breeding season right now, so egg cutting. Uh, I know Lucas jumped on and and showed some of the egg cutting that he did with our Patreon members last night. Uh, breeding stuff, and we'll take requests. So if there's something you're dying to see how we do yeah. or how we operate our business, we are more than transparent with uh, our Patreon community. So jump on over there. Remember, support US Arc, become a member. You're part of this reptile industry. So uh, support the people that are fighting for us. If and- you can't become a member, message me. Yeah, message us and i think what chris does as far as including that in the price of his animal is something i'm that... implementing that like right now everybody who has a snake that i haven't shipped out yet i'm gonna ask him if they have a, a member yeah guys get creative with it uh i have people at my work that keep just big fish tanks and i've gotten them to become members because it's important for them as well not just us so become a member I uh, remember support VivTech products, uh, Stuart designs over at sdidentity.com. And then we also have our newest podcast sponsor, which is Focus Cubed. They are supporting us through trying to elevate how we keep retics, uh, how we see their mental health with uh, some of the pro- products with VivTech. So uh, just support all the people that are trying to push this industry forward absolutely guys thank you so much for listening chris are you on